All right, we're we're ready to get started. If you want to go ahead and pull out your message notes uh, as we begin. We're in the second week of a message series called GPS, or God's Positioning System, and we're using the metaphor of a GPS or a navigation system uh, during this series to talk about how God helps us to navigate life and to help us move from our here to his there as a church and as individuals. And last week we identified our here, our starting point. And over the six weeks of this series, we're going to be studying the story of the Exodus and how God brought his people out of their here to his there, the promised land. And as we look at these scriptures, we're going to be able to identify how God has helped people move from uh, they're here to in the past, and then we're going to apply these things to our lives and to our church right now. Um, if you were in worship last week, one of the uh, few that actually it was pretty good attendance for as bad as the weather was last week, but uh, go ahead and write your here in there if you already came up with one last week. Uh, maybe throughout the week, this week, you come up against something that you didn't think of last week. It was like, oh, yeah, that habit really hurts every time I do that. Or uh, some kind of a situation came to mind that you wished you to put down. Go ahead and write that in. If you weren't here last week, we st- I started the series by talking about how a GPS unit works, whether it's on your phone or on your dashboard or an actual uh, little device. Um, we use these navigation tools to help us to get from a starting point to an ending point and uh, to chart a course for us so that we can get there safely. And it, in order for it to do that, it has to acquire a satellite from which it can get a starting point for your trip. And uh, in our everyday life, everyone has a here as well. We have a place where Uh, Some things in our life that we may be very satisfied with and thankful for that are part of our here. But as I explained last week, there are other things in our life that we where we would like to see change happen. Uh, For example, some of you may be in a financial crisis or difficulty. Maybe you're struggling with a relationship or a work situation. And um, the here that you want to move away from Maybe an addiction or a habit or a problem with anger. Uh, Maybe you need freedom from guilt and something in the past. And to get the most out of this series, just like a GPS unit, you have to know where your starting point is and the situation or problem that you would like to see change in over the next four weeks and during the course of the coming year. So if you haven't already done so, go ahead and write something on that here line uh, that I am here blank in your message notes. Maybe a situation, could be a habit, might be your New Year's resolution. Write something down there. Then right below that there's a little box to check if you want to move towards God's there. Now, um, the title for this week's message is Where To? And if you want the GPS unit or your navigation system to 
direct you to a specific place, then you've got to enter that destination. You've got to put in an address or uh, a baseline United Methodist or something that it can uh, know where you're headed. And so you've identified you're here. Now the question this morning is where to? And um, our scripture this morning is going to be from Exodus 3 and 4, and we're continuing where we left off in that Exodus story. And as we saw last week, the Israelites were in slavery. They were in bondage in Egypt. And God was about to do an amazing miracle in uh, their lives, actually a set of miracles, and bring them from their here to his there in the promised land. And so before we look at those scriptures this morning, uh, let's think about that where to question in your bulletin. Um, God brought the Israelites out through a series of miracles. If you woke up tomorrow morning and a miracle had occurred and you were already on the other side of that situation, uh, already overcome that habit, already to that destination, what would it look like? What would be different? How would your situation have changed? So you've written something down on the I am here line. What would it look like if you woke up tomorrow morning and you had arrived at where you long to be in that situation? Just think about that and write down a where to. Last week I said that I might get brave enough at some time during this series to share my I am here. When I started here two and a half years ago, well, let me just put it this way. I've gained 15 pounds in two and a half years. <laughs> That's just with two churches, and we're nev- we never have time to cook and eat properly, don't have time to exercise. And so my where-to is my clothes that I had when I came here would fit. So there it is. Uh, what is your where-to? Where is it that you would like to see God take you in the next four weeks and in the year ahead? The scriptures say without a vision, people perish. So, Okay, now um, let me just say this. When we start out towards a destination, we want to know that that's God's destination for us, right? I mean, we can write down our heart's desire on there and God says that he wants to give us the desires of our heart, but sometimes the things that we think are going to be best for us are not the things that are best for us. So uh, when we're writing these where-tos down, we also need to acknowledge with that that God knows best and, and that we want him to take us into his best for us. So while you've written something down on that where-to line, you need to spend time in prayer over this and ask that God would help you that he would lead you to what he has for you. And my experience as a follower of Jesus Christ for over 44 years has been that sometimes God will get you started in one direction because he knows that you'll go that way, and then he switches the map under you as, as you're going. You know, you, uh, Sometimes he knows uh, he, he wouldn't be able to get you to do something if you knew where you were actually going to end up. So you start out in one direction and then... He helps you as you go to, to have the confidence and to move you into to other things. So what you've written down is a starting point, um, but it may not be the place that God eventually takes you. 
sometimes we know what's wonderful for us, but God has a better plan. Uh, Proverbs 16.9. I'm so glad it didn't go to sleep on you, Karen. <laughs> In their hearts, human beings plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Proverbs 16.9. So that's something we want to keep in mind as we move ahead. Without a vision, we get stuck, but we always want God's plan for us to unfold. And that's what the Israelites were about to experience in this story where we left off last week. The Hebrews had been in Egypt for 400 years, and as we were talking about last week, they were um, had grown from 70 uh, when they came there originally to thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands, actually. And the uh, Egyptian people were beginning to be afraid of them, and so they began to oppress them. To They were in slavery, and that only seemed to make them more resilient and multiply faster. So the pharaoh put in place another plan, and that was that every baby boy that was born would be thrown into the Nile River and would be destroyed. And... Um, so that's kind of where the main character for the whole Exodus story comes in. Uh, one couple gave birth to a baby boy, but the mother sensed that there was something special about this little boy, and so she hid him for three months. And when it got to the point where she didn't feel she could hide him anymore, she put a plan into place. And that was to make a little boat, put some tar on it, put the baby in it, and set him afloat on the Nile River. And um, you all know the story that Pharaoh's daughter found him and drew him out of the water. And you kind of wonder, though, if the mom had kind of been watching her daily routine and knew when she was going to be down there and, and set the, her little guy afloat at that point. But whatever it was, we know that Moses got found and adopted. And the whole thing is such a great story. I really kind of hate to give the Reader's Digest version, but if you haven't read it in a while, I'd invite you to go back and read those chapters 1 through 4. Uh, actually, if you want to read all the way to um, chapter 14, where the parting of the Red Sea and the Exodus, you'll be all ready for next week's message. But for now, we got to skip ahead 40 years. Uh, the Israelites are still oppressed. They're still in slavery and Moses is all grown up and then one day he walks out takes a walk and he sees an Egyptian beating a fellow Hebrew so he intervenes he jumps into the fray he kills the Egyptian and then he has to hide the body and you kind of wonder you know what that must have been like for him to go from a position of favor uh, in the Pharaoh's house knowing that he is sided with the enemy and now uh, he has to hide this body. So has anybody ever, like, uh, stuck somebody in the sand at Lake Michigan? You know, how you got to dig the big hole and then cover them up? Well, uh, he had to do that. And you kind of imagine how scary that was for him to, you know, have to get that sand cleared away and roll this lifeless body in. And then you're starting to fill it in, and it's all filling in around the cracks and everything, and you're hoping nobody's going to come along before you get done with that. And um, I kind of wonder if he went to bed that night feeling like a hero for saving his fellow Hebrew or if he was wondering if he was going to be found out. 
But uh, he didn't have to wait very long. The next day, two Hebrews were fighting, and when he went to break up that fight, it turned out quite differently. Uh, This is what the guy who started the fight said to him. He says, Who made you our judge? Are you going to kill me like you did the Egyptian yesterday? So now he knows he's found out that uh, Pharaoh will soon be after him. So he takes off across the desert. And he ends up in Midian, which is a, a whole desert away. And he spent the next 40 years tending sheep and goats. So that's his location. That's his here. Uh, he doesn't have any big plans in mind. He's just tending some sheep. And one day he's out in the wilderness and he notices a bush that has caught fire, but it isn't being burned up. So he drew aside and to see why the bush wasn't being consumed. And that's where we'll pick up the story today. We're in Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 4. It says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, uh, Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, today we would be, you know, like staring into the fire looking for the speaker system or, you know looking around for a candid camera or something, but this this was the real deal. Then in Exodus, uh, picking up in verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. And God knows about every situation in your life too. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now... Go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I, you got to put yourself in Moses' place here for a minute. I mean, he's 80 years old. His people have been in slavery for as long as he can remember. That's been there here all of his lifetime. And he knows better than anyone the power of the Pharaoh and his armies. And besides that, he tried to help him once, and that didn't go so well. And now God is asking him to go and take this huge group of thousands of people from there here to God's there. And so it's no wonder that the first question out of his mind, out of his mouth was, who am I that I should go? And do that. And in the following verses, he begins to make excuse after excuse and implore God to send somebody, somebody else. And burning bush ex- experiences are like that. We're confronted with a call to action that requires courage. 
Um, did you know that the burning bush is still around? Uh, that same bush that Moses saw burning 3,400 years ago is still alive and well in Midian, or at least someone somewhere along the way decided that this was the bush, and they built a monastery around it in 525 A.D. Here's a picture of the bush. I'll look closely at it. Notice the fire extinguisher. <laughs> Isn't that great? It's like if God were to stage a sequel, you know, they're going to put it out really quickly. And I think that's a great metaphor for not only what happened in the text as Moses begins to make his excuses, but for our lives as well. God invited Moses into this great rescue plan to participate in what he was going to be doing in the most historic uh, thing of his time. And, and Moses began to put out the fire with excuses. And so often we keep our faith in one hand and a fire extinguisher in the other. And sort of like that bush, we want to be set on fire by God, uh, but we don't want to be consumed. We're surrounded in our culture by language about being burned out. And we're afraid that we'll be burned up if we get too involved in what God's doing. We can be kind of like Moses, full of excuses and questions. And all through this next section, Moses questions God's wisdom. And his, he, he throws all these questions at him. He asks, you know, well, what happens if they want to know your name? So God tells him what to say to that. And then... He comes back with another concern. He says, what if they still don't believe me? And God tells, gives him all these cool signs and wonders to do. He can throw down his shepherd's staff, and it will turn into a snake. And then when he goes to pick it up, it will turn back into a staff again. He can put his hand in his robe and pull it out, and it's covered with leprosy. And then when he puts it back in and pulls it back out, it's like pure new baby flesh again. And I mean, these were like things that would make Houdini jealous. And he could take a cup of water and pour it on the ground, and it would turn to blood as he was doing that, which is kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't really want to do that one. But, <laughs> but st still, Moses was not ready to go, and he comes up with one last excuse. That's in Exodus uh, chapter 4, starting in uh, verse 10. So Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since I've spoken to your servant. You have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. And at that point, God was pretty miffed with him. And, uh, but he didn't let him off the hook. He does end up sending his brother Aaron with him to be a spokesman. But, but he sticks with Moses. And our biggest barrier from getting from our here to God's there is us. And as you look at what you've written on that... Uh, 
lying about your present situation or the habit or the problem that you want to move away from. Uh, and then at the miracle that you would like to see happen in that situation, uh, the place that you would like to be. Stop and think for a moment. Um, this is kind of your burning bush <laughs> moment this morning. And God's inviting you to make a journey with him. So put yourself in Moses' place in front of that bush. You've got this journey to take, and it may require courage. It may mean changes in your life. It may take discipline. It might not be easy to accomplish. So right up front, you've got faith and hope in one hand, a fire extinguisher in the other. What are the excuses that you might make along the way? Uh, what are some of the barriers that you're going to come up against? And I've given you a place there right next to the fire extinguisher to list a few of those things. Uh, how might you sabotage your own exodus from that situation? Uh, maybe you want to, you've written a spiritual goal for this year. You want to read the Bible more. You want to be in church more. Uh, you want to get closer to God. What are the excuses? What are the things that are going to get in the way of you doing that? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a work situation. Maybe you've, there's somebody here that feels called to the ministry this morning. What are the excuses that you will make that will keep you from doing that? Barriers that you'll come up against. Uh, some of you might have a pharaoh in your life. <laughs> what fears will you face? Just list some things there. And then I would encourage you to just keep this list. Put it on your refrigerator or whatever. So you're aware of the things that you're going to face as you move forward in that situation. And then the last thing I want to remind you is that you're not doing this alone. You don't do it in your own strength. Uh, it's God's where to. He's the one that will move you to that place if you're open to it and you're praying and you're walking with him. And so you're not doing it in your own strength. And that's our memory verse this week from Philippians 4.13. So let's read that together. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. All right.